episode 836. Appropriately, here in the early stages of Packers training camp, we talked to someone that was there for the beginning of it. That someone is Katie Bain, who recently had an article published by Vice on the Packers shareholders meeting. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about Packers training camp. To do that, we talked to a guest earlier about the beginning of Packers training camp and how it was kicked off by the shareholders meeting just a few short weeks ago. That person is Los Angeles-based freelance writer Katie Bain. We caught up with Bain as she was in an airport. You'll hear a little bit of ambient sound, but certainly nothing I think you're going to find too distracting. But please enjoy the interview. Baltar, find me another expert. One that likes me this time, okay? Right now on Railbird Central, we're talking to Los Angeles-based freelance writer Katie Bain, who recently wrote a long-form article for Vice about the Packers shareholders meeting. Katie, thanks for joining the show. We're glad to have you on. So glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Before we get into your article you wrote, can you tell us a little bit more about your background, your upbringing, and your career as a writer? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um... As you may be gleaned from the story, I grew up in the Green Bay area. I'm from West De Pere, Wisconsin. And so, you know, it's all sort of a big community with Green Bay. Um, so I grew up a big Packer fan and then went to the University of Wisconsin and then moved to L.A. and started working for the L.A. Times and have been writing uh, since then. So for the past decade, mostly about music. But then, of course, I take on other projects like the one that we're talking about today. Well, I'm glad you branched out, and, and we're glad to have you on the show, and I think the timing is appropriate to have you on to discuss your article here in the midst of Packers training camp. And, and as we start to dig into your article you wrote for Vice, maybe as a preface, uh, Katie, what went into your decision to write in the first person, which I think was unique? Yeah, well, it's a few things. I think that the first-person perspective kind of lent itself to the personable individualistic quality the community quality of the meeting and the organization itself like it's really about the people you know so i was able to sort of through that uh style break down my conversations and make it a little bit more uh familial and personal and um, yeah just like writing that way too yeah i think you you have some family background and and, and connections to the team as well yeah that's right so uh, my great-grandfather bought stock in the 1950 sale i believe and so uh it's been in our family since then and it was passed down to my grandfather and then to my mother and now to me and my brother and sister and my cousins and my other aunts and uncles so yeah that original stock has been disseminated among the family and we have season tickets that we all share and so uh the roots run pretty deep for us very cool um for historical context here katie 
What did you learn about the stock sales of the Green Bay Packers in the course of researching your article? Because I feel as if there's some people out there that just don't get it in the media, uh, specifically insinuating that, you know, we've all been conned with a piece (laughs) of stock that doesn't pay dividends. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I was trying to explain this story to people in L.A., and no one, I mean, not no one, but there were people who were like, you don't make any money, you know, like off the stock that you bought, and they didn't see the point at all. But um, the things that I learned and what I didn't know, what I guess most impressed me is how crucial the stock sales were to the team in terms of keeping it alive. You know, without these stock sales throughout the team's history, starting in, I'm pretty sure, I would have to go back to the server, but I think it's 1922, the team would fail to exist today. The money that was given into the organization through the people in the community in Green Bay kept it afloat through, you know, when the team was first being founded, through uh, the, the inception or the, uh, the first phase of the NFL, through the Depression. And so sort of at every step along the way, when the Packers needed a new stadium, starting in around 2000, um, the people stepped in and ponied up the cash and raised millions of dollars, you know, in order to make the team as viable as it is today. I I mentioned in the story that without the stadium renovation that started in 2000, the Packers really wouldn't have been able to keep up with many other NFL teams and cities because Lambeau, as it was, was charming, but it was an old stadium. And so without the renovation, it just, you know, we would have fallen behind and that was able to happen because of the city of green Bay and then the people from around the world that were able to buy in as well. Yeah. It's definitely a unique situation uh, in professional sports. Uh, Katie, uh, describe the scene for us at the shareholders meeting, which you attended. What was the atmosphere like there and, and who were some of the people you met? Yeah, it was really sweet. I mean, if, if, I'm sure a lot of people listening have been to many Packer games. And I would say the atmosphere was a lot like that. You know, it felt really uh, maybe less charged because it wasn't a game day. But there were thousands of people in the atrium drinking beer at 1919. Who had come from all over the Midwest. People I met came from Fargo. They came from Chicago. They came from tiny towns all over the state to be there. And it had sort of a community picnic feel. And you could tell that people were there to see old friends that they maybe only saw a few times a year at Packer-related events. And so it was just overall really, really sweet. You know, it was just like a great reminder of why the Packers are so special. Um, in your article, uh, you alluded to the Titletown District, and it wasn't the focus of the article, but I think it's an important part of where the Packers are headed right now. What what were your impressions of the Titletown District and its impact on the organization now that many of the first tenants have just recently opened, but it's still under construction? Right, yeah. Well, I remember the, title ta- the, the area where the Titletown District is now being built um, used to be parking lots at a Kmart and a grocery store and, you know, nothing fancy. (laughs) And now I would say it's about as fancy as Green Bay gets. The Kohler Lodge is beautiful. It's really beautifully appointed. There's a spa. Um, The Hinterland Brewery is very nice as well. They have incredible food. Um, It's just, it's going to be really classy. And I think, you know, those are sort of, I would say, more... Uh, upper tier 
establishments, but they're also bringing in a warming center for people during games and a sledding ramp and things that are more perhaps for the people of the city versus the, the hotel, which, as I mentioned in the article, is gorgeous, rather expensive to come on a game weekend and stay there. So I think it's, it's one of these things that it's going to be partially used by the people of the city, and it's an incredible add to the overall Lambeau footprint, you know, and it's just growing out um, the, the organization in a way that is, you know, you don't have to just be at the game to go and experience Lambeau at this point. Um, and a lot of, it, it's going to bring in a lot of money to the city and to the organization as well. So, you know, that's a big draw or a big sort of goal, I imagine, with the development. All right. So if we take a look at the big picture here, in your opinion, Katie, does this all have lasting power? How long can the great rural anomaly, as you put it in your article, uh, realistically survive in professional sports smallest market? Because I, I think that's what the people in our listening audi- audience would like to know. Uh, I, I think they think it's going to last forever, but can it? I mean... I can't, there, there ain't no stopping us now, you know? I, <laughs> I can't see the people of not only Green Bay, but, you know, like I said in the story, there are 300,000 shareholders, you know, in the United States and around the world. Like, this organization is, is unique and it's precious and it's beloved, like most professional sports teams, of course. But like you said, Green Bay is rural. There's 105,000 people that live there. Um, it's, it's very unique. And so I can't foresee a day. I mean, I hope to God that the, <laughs> Packer, the Packers would cease to exist in Green Bay, Wisconsin. It's just such a vital part of the city's DNA. You know, they've been there since 19, well, 1919. And so it's, you know, they're celebrating their hundred years soon it's just it's an institution you can't extract the green bay packers from the city of green bay it's just i and i I can't see it happening yeah i i think the way they've been proactive it's it it would be so far in the future right now that it would maybe be beyond your and my lifetimes if it were to happen but uh katie finally last question before we let you go what is your prediction for the packers in 2017 you know I don't know exactly how it's going to go down in the field, but judging from what I saw at the shareholders meeting and from what I've seen in Green Bay and you know, all the fans that exist there and beyond, it's going to be another stellar season. We're excited regardless. And I think they, uh, you know, minus the last game last year, they had a strong showing and there were a lot of exciting moments and I foresee uh, a lot more to come in this season. So I'm excited. I am ready for football to start. Very good. Katie, uh, thank you for coming on the show uh, from one minority shareholder to another. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, we'll send people to read your article advice and uh, keep up the good work. OK. Thanks so much for having me. Once again, thank you to Katie Bain for being our guest on today's show. Thanks for her to jo- for joining us. Thanks to you, the listener, for joining us as we continue on with the podcast. I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment. The Green Bay Packers finally parted ways with defensive lineman Latroy Guyon on Tuesday, several weeks after he was arrested for a DUI offense in Hawaii. 
The Packers stuck with Guyon through the beginning stages of training camp, so his release seemed to catch people by surprise, including his own teammates, judging by their reactions in the media. So did something change? Did he get in trouble again, or were the Packers wary of more looming discipline being handed down by the NFL? We can only really speculate on that matter. Um, perhaps we'll learn more in the coming days and weeks. We know Guyon has a court date in Hawaii coming up, but that will probably have to play itself out before he'd be suspended any further for that instance alone. Either way, the Packers will be fine at the defensive line position without Guyon. Uh, they spend so few snaps in the base 3-4 defense that requires, you know, three defensive linemen on the field at the same time that they can afford to really only keep four defensive linemen on their regular season roster, at least temporarily, because they only need two defensive linemen if they're in the nickel defense one defensive lineman if they're in a dime defense. So they really don't need all that many guys, the big-bodied guys. The Packers will be fine with Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, and Ricky Jean-Francois. I mean, that could change if any of them were to suffer an injury, but knock on wood or keep your fingers crossed that that doesn't happen. Um, And then at some point, um, hopefully early in the regular season, the Packers will be buoyed by the return of rookie defensive lineman Montrevious Adams, who's currently dealing with injury but is expected to return. Uh, That's if he isn't placed on injured reserve. But even then, now two players can return from IR starting this season. So it's very likely he'll return at some point, even if it's midseason. In the short term, the release of Latroy Guyon means more snaps for guys like Christian Ringo, Brian Price, and rookie Isa Lunsford in the preseason, including the opener coming up here on Thursday. They could all use the extra work. And if depth seems a little thin right now, I'm hoping the Packers sign a defensive lineman to replace Guyon's spot on the roster, and that will help a little bit in that regard, at least in terms of eating up those fourth quarter snaps in the preseason when you don't want meaningful contributors on the field during the exhibition play. Uh, Perhaps the best part of Guyon's release for the Packers is that it opened up nearly $3 million in salary cap space, money the team can use elsewhere In all seriousness, I wish Latroy Guyon good luck and hope he turns his life around. It's no secret I wasn't very enamored with Guyon's actions in decision-making in the past. And it's, it's not going to be easy for him without the support and framework of the organization now gone around him. But the Packers couldn't continue to let him drag them down as well. Um, So... It's the end of the Latroy Guyon era. Uh, it was an okay one uh, as far as his on-the-field production. There were moments, particularly in the run game, that he helped out the Packers and was was very stout at the point of attack. I can always give Latroy Guyon that, uh, but a lot of dumb off-the-field mistakes 
uh, that I hope he turns things around. Latroy, get your act together out there because uh, you need a quick uh, swift kick in the butt, and, and hopefully uh, you've come to realize that. Uh, in injury news, cornerback Devon House has missed the past two days of practice with a hamstring injury, although the silver lining, if there is one, is that no one seems to be very concerned, including the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, which Mike McCarthy expressed during a press conference this week. Uh, And the Packers certainly don't need House out on the field for the preseason opener against Philadelphia on Thursday. Would it be nice for him to get in some work before the start of the regular season? Sure. And, and he very likely will still get that with three more preseason games to go. But House is a veteran, and the Packers don't need to risk putting him out there. He's likely to get a nice break to recover now. Heck, the Packers don't practice at Ray Nitschke Field again until next Tuesday. They've got a closed-door practice this upcoming Sunday following the game in two days off. But if they allow House to sit that one out, He'll have had more than a week off, which hopefully allows that hamstring to heal. So probably minor concern there. On Wednesday, tight end Richard Rogers exited practice with an unidentified injury. Seeing as he wasn't available to reporters and there has been no press conference since his injury, we haven't really learned any more about it and perhaps we're unlikely to anytime soon until maybe the game is over on Thursday, um, unless unexpectedly somebody speaks out on it. Uh, But he's in much the same boat as Devon House. He's a veteran and doesn't need to play in the preseason opener if necessary. Uh, So, I mean, that's the latest I have from new injuries uh, to the Green Bay Packers since we've last talked on this show From the precautionary department now, it doesn't appear as if Aaron Rodgers or Jordy Nelson will play in the first preseason game. Nothing official here, not because of injury, but because the Packers want to prevent injury, and that's based upon the lack of snaps they've received in practice reportedly, as I've seen multiple beat reporters write about. Um, You know, Aaron Rodgers running the scout team for the Green Bay Packers, Same with Jordy Nelson. Two guys who are arguably the best players on the roster of the Green Bay Packers, particularly on the offensive side of the football. You know, uh, the the concern is especially more so with Jordy Nelson. Now two years removed from a torn ACL. But, you know, a guy, you know, the ACL is probably not a concern anymore. But still, there's just that and the fact that he's getting up there in age. No need to risk it and and have a setback or anything like that. And and Aaron Rodgers just just doesn't need the work, doesn't even need the risk of being out there. In fact, if I could provide brief commentary on uh, something I think people are talking about today because Aaron Rodgers talked about it yesterday and now it's starting to gain traction in in the media. I saw ESPN had uh, an article on it published this morning that I'm sure – you know, just because of ESPN's platform will reach a lot of people and get a lot of people talking. But the lack of uh, connection between regular season performance and preseason playing time for a guy like Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, 
and and probably unduly kind of connected the dots between uh, and between Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson's play early last season and the lack of playing time they got in the preseason. And I'll tell you what, I don't really buy it um, or, or buy it only in the smallest possible sense. Um, I don't think there's any correlation or, or get once again, a very small correlation for guys like Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson, who are longtime veterans now for each of them, uh, practically a decade in the NFL and how much they play in the preseason. Would it be nice for them to get a little bit of playing time under their belts? Sure. Um, and, and the story would be different if we were talking about Brett Hundley, a guy who's taken so few NFL meaningful snaps in the regular season that it, you know he needs the work. Uh, rookies need the work. Aaron Rodgers doesn't. Aaron Rodgers may... Uh, and I, I don't hope this is the case, but he may get off to a slow start in, in the regular season. And I don't think it has anything to do with how much playing time or the percentage of snaps he gets during the preseason. He could he could sit out every preseason game, and I don't think Aaron Rodgers would be impacted. His play would be impacted by that now at this point in his career, uh, of which he's you know, basically still in the prime of and, and still has many productive seasons to go in him. We, we can debate how many seasons, but that's that's not the point right now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers doesn't need preseason work. I'm sure he will get some in the second and third preseason games, increasingly so each game out here until the until the finale when he may not play at all or may play a series or something like that. Uh, but I, I mean, it, it, if the Packers end up, you know, in the second and third preseason games, having a series or two, that's three and out, there's no reason to keep Aaron Rodgers out there to build a rhythm or something like that. It, it's just poppycock in, in my opinion. It's he, he, it, it's it, the regular season is such a different animal, uh, that it, it just, he he's he's been in rhythm. He he doesn't need it, it will come. All it will take is a connection or two on a third down and he'll be fine. Whether that comes in the preseason, whether that comes in the regular season, that's all it's going to take for for a guy as experienced as him, a, a guy who's played the game at the highest level as Aaron Rodgers has played it. Um so uh, don't worry about that. I, I mean, again, he may get off to a slow start during the regular season and will have nothing to do with how many snaps he's played during the preseason. I had to get that off my chest, seeing as it's kind of a a, a, a topic I think people are talking about or will be talking about as the media picks up more on these comments uh, and, and questions they asked to the players yesterday and uh, the coaches, and now is becoming a storyline. Uh, so there you go. That's what's happened in the world of the Green Bay Packers. The day ahead. Um, Wednesday, the Packers hold a closed-door practice, which is typical operating procedure the day before a game, preseason or regular season, doesn't matter. Thursday, then, represents the preseason home opener and the opener overall, as the Green Bay Packers host the Philadelphia Eagles, 
The game starts at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Time, and there's a lot of ways to catch the action. It's televised regionally on the Packers TV network across Wisconsin and certain other states. You'll have to check your local listings, whether you'll be able to catch it over the airwaves. I'm not going to list every outlet that's carrying it in other states, but you can also listen to it on the Packers radio network regionally as well. There's no national broadcast of this game, but you can still catch it in a couple different ways. Stream it online with the NFL Game Pass. And if you've never, there there is a free trial if you just want to check that out for the first time, seeing if it's worth your money or not. But you could at least stream one game for with it for free. Uh, or if you have a subscription to DirecTV's Sunday Ticket, you can catch all the preseason games in the NFL uh, all of them, uh, for that matter. So uh, that's that's how you can catch it in the media. Um, but if you don't have access to one of those ways, or at least by going to a bar that may have a Sunday ticket or something like that, uh, you may be out of luck. Uh, but as far as the game itself, we'll be watching the Brett Hundley show on Thursday, very likely. I'm not sure whether Aaron Rodgers would still suit up just in case and or at least to go through the the uh, pre-practice routine. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll find out. But Brett Hundley very likely to start the game and, and play an extended amount. But you have to imagine they'll, they'll split snaps rather equally, I think, between the three quarterbacks as, you know, Joe, Joe Callahan will get some time and, and then probably wrapping up. Uh, the game will be rookie Taysom Hill at the quarterback position. And, and you know, being the first preseason game, this might be the type of game where he plays the most. And, and that goes for most of the rookies on the Packers roster. Uh, if you're a hardcore fan and you like to see how the rookies are fitting in or how the long shots on the roster are doing, because, I mean, this is the best opportunity they, they'll have here in this first preseason game where the Packers want to just get the veterans' feet wet. It, you know, for guys like Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, they won't play at all. You know, most of the other starters will play, but they're going to try to get them out of there after a series or two. Um, and, and then it's it, it's on to the backups and then on to the long shots. And it's a good opportunity for those guys uh, who are long shots to, to make a bid to make the roster and not even just that, make a bid to make the practice squad. Guys who want to make a living in the NFL, heck, the practice squad is a foot in the door at least. And this is ways they can make an impression this first preseason game especially. And that's what's fun about the first preseason game, I think, watching those guys really make a bid and taking it seriously. You know, certainly if the veterans were out there in the fourth quarter, they wouldn't be taking it too seriously. And while the rookies may be out there and the talent level may not be quite as good in the second half of Thursday's game, they'll at least be trying really hard. And that alone is is fun to watch. Uh, I, I enjoy that aspect of it. So good luck to all the long shots and the rookies on the Packers roster uh, making your debut in a game environment in the Packers uniform. Should be a special one uh, at Lambeau Field for the preseason opener. So there you go. That's what's on deck for the Green Bay Packers. And on our next episode, we'll wrap the preseason game up. So on Friday, 
Uh, we have our monthly engagement with Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. So we'll be reacting to what happens on the field on Thursday uh, on Friday's episode of Railbird Central. So we'll see you then. Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. Have a good Wednesday, and enjoy the game on Thursday. Uh, We'll see you just two more days from now. I leave you today with a song called Believe the Lie by Umphreys McGee on Psy Fidelity Records. Go Pack go. 